Good evening. It's Saturday, actually evening, uh, different podcast. Rather than do it this morning, we're going to do it tonight. So uh, welcome. I think uh, last episode, I think we left off a little more uh, hijinks and activities and stories from when you were uh, a teen between you and Will uh, in your hometown. I don't know, is there any more you want to tell us about what it was like <laughs> living with Oplo and having Wheel as a best friend across the road? Well, yeah. Uh, I only get the highlights as I remember them. Uh, I'm sure there is a lot more, but uh, they haven't come to mind just yet. Uh, But uh, one thing that does come to mind is we had to go to, when we were going to school during the war, uh, we used to well, we used to, we had to go to church every every morning, and uh, the last milk cans that were put on the wagon that picked up all the milk cans going to the dairy were the one from the the neighbors, the Christians, and they had sat there by the side of the road for a while before they get picked up because there is a bit of a time span between milking time and the pickup. And what happens is usually that the cream on the milk comes to the top, it is lighter. And uh, of course, we didn't know that at the time, but uh, nor would it have made any difference, I guess. But uh, uh, when we had to go to the church, it's always almost on the same moment. In fact, it got to the point where we actually waited for the milk wagon to come by so that we could jump on the back and then have a lid full of milk, what we thought was just milk, and drink it and then go to church. Of course, we couldn't go to communion, but that didn't matter because there was no control on that as long as we were in church. And uh, uh, that went on fine, but one day, one of the brothers, they, he said to his brother, it's funny what I noticed on our ticket that we get from the dairy that on Saturday, the fat content of our milk is higher than during the week. And yet it's the same cows, the same amount of milk, the same everything except Saturday. And uh, he, I'm going to have to find out what, what is causing that, because otherwise I'm going to file a complaint with the dairy. And uh, sure enough, he followed in the distance, he followed the wagon, going because the guy couldn't be doing anything. And uh, he saw us climb on the back of the wagon and drink the milk, and then the light went on, and aha. Uh-huh. So that's the reason why on Saturday they get to sleep in, they don't go to church. So, of course, we were dealt with in a proper way, and that was the end of our free cream. But nevertheless, it was uh, it's just like 45% cream from the dairy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that same one of, the, I think they had two or three milk cans filled, and, but one of them, my brother brought over from the old country because one of the brothers came up to my brother Harry and said, "You, I heard you're going to Canada. And he said, yeah. He said, well, here is something that you should maybe take along. 
And uh, you don't have to explain anything because I'm sure Albert knows what it is all about and tell him uh, Chef gave it to you. And Chef was Chef Christian. So uh, my brother, instead of, but he of course heard what had happened and he thought it was funny. It's gonna be kind of a permanent fixture in the house here. And he had the landscape painted on that milk can, which was quite a popular thing to do at the time. Probably still is, if there's any milk cans left. And uh, he had uh, one of the oldest farms in the village painted. Well, uh, not exactly, but like the barn, that, that kind of uh, hay shelf was, uh, was different. But uh, the, the house and surroundings were more or less uh, quite accurate. But uh, it's on there and it, and that is also a relative. That farm is, is blood related to Chef, the, the farmer. And so Harry had a great big uh, carry-on bag, let's say, and that milk can just fitted in there. And instead of wasting the space, he filled it right up with clothes and everything. The, the thing was filled to the, to the lid. And uh, he said, I got something in that is special. And so he explained, I said, where the heck did you get that? And so he explained to me, well, the chef came over a few weeks ago and I had to ask the guy here, yeah, because I got to, the, the paint got to be dry, I got to take that to Canada. And take that to Canada. Anyway, uh, he, uh, uh, he came there, I took all the stuff out and he says, uh, Chef Christian brought it over. And he told me that you know all about it. I said, yeah, I do know all about it. And I remember because that was the reason why that uh, that is the, the milk can that we used to drink out of. It could have been one of the others too. But anyway, the, the, the historical fact is in that can that is sitting right there in the living room. Uh, it was quite a, quite a thing. And we didn't think anything of it. You know, it's, uh, uh, you, you drink milk, you drink milk. If we had known... It was great, we probably, well, we might have anyway. So we took it. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, we would have had it, but we would have stirred it first. Oh. Uh, uh, that way they never would have discovered it. I would, we would have been able to keep on drinking, but the, the, the whole game was finished when I when we were discovered. But uh, So, so you, you stole cream, and then you told a story about... But we didn't actually steal well, it. We, you borrowed cream. Yeah. And I know you borrowed cigarettes from dead soldiers. He, you, you seem to borrow a lot, you and Will, around the, the community. Well, we, we thought it was... Well, we didn't really recognize uh, ownership. It was uh, uh, everything belonged to everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, we didn't see it as stealing. We, in fact, I don't remember ever confessing and we went to confession regularly. Yeah. That was the law mm -hmm. of the church. And uh, I don't remember confessing that. I confessed a lot of things, but not that. Mm -hmm. I never saw any sin in it. Uh, well, we, we shared because when we stopped in there, we, you want a glass of milk, you want chocolate yeah. milk, you want a tea, whatever. Uh, uh, but 
they also had the poor boys, you know, they had to be our neighbors. And uh, uh, if we had lived far enough away, we probably would have picked on somebody else. But uh, 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 in their checking coop, they had a good size checking coop. And it was customary on Sunday night, we would go and see if we can find something somewhere to exciting. And uh, you, uh, you, you like uh, eggs, yeah, but we used to beat eggs and then put milk and coffee in and they said that was good for you uh, when you have a cold and what, it's very nourishing. So milk and eggs, but there's nothing wrong with that. So if you can drink a raw egg with milk, what's wrong with a raw egg? So we had a fine nail, a wee small finishing nail. Mm -hmm. We went into the chicken coop and wrecked the hole in both ends of the egg and then suckled it for, uh, for all it was worth. And we sucked the egg right out of it, the, the, the yolk and the white. Mm -hmm. He swallowed it, and uh, I have one more. We have another one. And so uh, the shell was empty, and we put it back in the nest. Otherwise, uh, well, it seems that, you know, how naive we were to think that, well, they don't think anything of it. And here's an empty one, what they call a wind egg. Sometimes uh, uh, you could have a shell with, with nothing in it, or you could have an egg that has no shell where the outside was kind of uh, rubbery. Mm. And uh, so we put it back in the nest and when when they go gather the eggs and Andre, what, uh, what happened? I got a couple eggs here and there's nothing in it. Oh, and they soft it. No, they're solid eggs, but you feel them. And so my brother, he looks at it Hey, Chef, see that? Little hole in the end. So, uh, the burgers, I Us bet you. Usable suspects. Uh, well, yeah, who else? There's, uh, <laughs> there's only two guys that could have done it, and uh, we have to be together. So, anyway, uh, we're going to have to watch it because Sunday night is usually a night you got to watch out. It's a free night. And, uh, it was Andre who came into the chicken coop and it was kind of dark. And you know, they got these little doors, these little trap doors that you can put uh, the, uh, the thing up a little bit and hang it on a nail when the chickens went in and out okay. all day. And then at night when the chickens were in, yeah. you let it down and they couldn't get out. Yeah. And so this particular Sunday night, it was one or two Sundays after. And we were busy sucking the egg because they tasted good. It's not, there's nothing wrong with it. And uh, all of a sudden the door opens up and the door gets locked and we hear the, the, the lock going on there because they had to be able to lock it if they were cleaning it out. Mm -hmm. They don't want the chickens to get out anyhow. It was dark, so you can hardly see. But you could see the, the the outline of somebody, but you couldn't recognize who it was. 
And I soon enough found out who it was because it started to hurt real bad. And I was in my <laughs> Sunday clothes. And while he was beating me up, Will took the lid out and he thought, I can't get out of that door because I was getting beat up there. I'm getting out through that. Uh, chicken door. The chicken door. Well, uh, Will was not the skinniest guy. And he's uh, sitting in there and he gets his front end through that. And he's trying and trying, but he can't get his butt through because it is a little bit too white for the chicken door. And I think the farmer must have thought it, uh, he had enough, let him go. But I'll give that one a hand. So he started to kick him in the butt, kick him. And he actually kicked him right through that trap door. We ripped his pants. He was also wearing his Sunday clothes. And then he got out and he was none the happier. Neither was I for that matter. And uh, it was a short Sunday night. But uh, I don't think we even had the first egg sucked out be before the bugger came in. So that was sucking the, the eggs dry. And uh, we never did that after. Uh, you only try it once if it doesn't work. Uh, don't try again because it hurts. Uh, and those were the same. Same guys that told you stories that would scare you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the funny thing. We were buggers for punishment because we would go back for more. Yeah. And the, 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 that's why I said they they lived on the wrong corner. They they were too, <laughs> too close for comfort. And uh, they were ideal for us because, well, they, they were okay. Yeah. Well, but, you said they never had kids. Maybe that's why. No, no, they were unmarried. Yeah. Neither yeah. one, you know, too safe. no interest seeing you in real life. They wouldn't <laughs> want to have kids like you. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe, maybe we caused them to give it a second thought before they look for a wife. I never thought of that. Never thought of it that way. But yeah, that. Uh, so it sounded like you and Wheel, like I get you, you kind of hang around in the Christian's place for a bit. And I know you guys spent some time at the canal. Um, any other haunts you guys would have uh, when you were younger? Well, uh, uh, we were bargains for, uh, uh, anything, any kind of excitement, uh, down, there was a dirt road, see, everything was paved except one, that the fifth road that came into our intersection, mm -hmm. and there was a dirt road, and there was a farmer, and he had a big dog, like it was big and heavy, almost like a bull, it was not a bulldog, but uh, the, the, the kind of a heavy face, black muzzle, mm -hmm. and he was yellowish, had a dog tail, and uh, he, uh, well, he had uh, enough kids, but they churned, like during the war, you churned your own milk to mm -hmm. get butter. And of course, being a farmer, and he had all kinds of cows, so they didn't like the idea of having to sit there churning the the, the butter because it's up and down, up and down. You get tired. And the guy was pretty smart, and he came up with an idea to have that made automatic. And it was uh, his machine that he built was one dark power. He, uh, it was all made with uh, wire, chicken wire around, and he made a frame out of 
one by trees or something like that. And inside the wheel, there was, uh, inside the cage, there was a, a treadmill wheel. And he had this door and he opened it up and he trained his dog to come in, jump into that wheel and it had little uh, slots on so he would have traction. So like a giant, almost like a, one of yeah, those Yeah, or the, 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 the wheel was uh, at least four feet across. Right, so kind of like a, a giant, giant hamster wheel then. Like yeah, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but... Where the the wheel the shaft that the wheel was on, uh, it was resting on both sides of the cage, and that came outside, and it had a crank on there, and on it he had I think the black bit must have made that, he made a rod that would hook up to the milk can that had the rod going up and down, and he had he had it all figured out in measurements and whatnot, so. And we can walk him by there, and we were going into what we called Tabiza. That was an area where, like a big playground, yeah. and, and nobody would care. So we walked by, and just that time, the farmer was getting his dog out, and kind of scared us because you never saw that dog, and so he must be a mean one. But no, he wasn't. The dog went straight in there. We stood there watching. What the heck is he doing? Then the dog starts running in the wheel, and then we see this crank going up and down. Well, that's a pretty smart idea. How come nobody else does that? Because I'm sure that it's a lot better than sitting there with a, with a big uh, milk can between your knees, churning away. And that dog actually did do the churning for the butter. And uh, it's amazing how they found sources of energy without having to worry about the idol. Uh, one of those little things that uh, in the small village, oh, somebody, uh, they don't have to be uh, scientists to, to yeah. come up with the invention. Like this guy, he was just a regular farmer, but he was always thinking, I guess. And uh, yeah, he came up, he came up with that idea. Uh, no, what kind of dog was it? Was it a... a I don't know the breed, but it was... It was a, a yellowish, well, like a, a tan-colored yeah. dog, and it had, I... It sounds like it was a churning shepherd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a churning... <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, I don't think he dubbed it for a shepherd, but uh, he certainly was a churner. <laughs> Yeah, we we were always looking for something to learn. We wanted to learn, and uh, of course, when when you see a farmer coming by, well, they they come from every which yeah. way to get their cows bred, mm -hmm. and you know when the cow when it gets in heat and it or whatever they call that for a cow, and the 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 bulls were in the co-op building, and the whole village. All the farmers yeah. owned those bulls, and yeah. they wrote it down. Yeah. But wasn't Wheels' dad looked after the co-op? Is that he right? was the yeah. Uh, yeah he was the, the big boss okay. in the in the co-op. Yeah. And uh, but that that didn't matter. And then the the guy, the like the foreman kind of, um, the tobacco chewing, uh, Helm Bergmans. He uh, he was the guy that was looking after the bulls. Mm -hmm. So if a farmer came down and 
So which one did you want? And they had three names of three bowls, three, three stalls, and uh, and they all had a ring through the nose. I felt sorry for the name with the ring in the nose, but then again, the, uh, I got proof that they can do bad number on you. But anyhow, uh, they would say, well, uh, the last time she was bred, I had uh, uh, that one, whatever the name. Uh, I think this time we should not mix it up, so we have that one. And he named the name. They all knew the names of the bulls. And then Helm would go in there and then uh, uh, open the door. The door must have been six, six inches thick with big, uh, uh, like wrought iron hinges on there. The blacksmith must have made them on the anvil. And uh, because those bolts, when they back up a little bit and they hit that door, you could, I, I've seen where the door would bend out a little bit. That is uh, how uh, uh, a bull has an awful lot of power. Mm -hmm. And uh, talking about horsepower, I think bull power is every bit as big. But they, he would then undo them in the front, grab the, uh, tie the, it's just like a, a leash on the dog, mm -hmm. tie it to the ring on the nose, and back him out of, the, because they had to back out, they couldn't turn around, they back him out, and then the farmer was waiting behind the building with a cow to have Helen come with the bull. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, we said, you know, I see, and there was, Jan Bordeaux was no family of, uh, of Biel. There was a lot of Bordeaux, so it was just a common name. And a, 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 a typical Oplo name from way back. And uh, why are they all going behind the co-op? Well, we had to find out. And when we got the regular way, no, you you go you go back to the street. Go back to the street. We were not allowed to see what was happening, because well, that was carrying things a little bit too far, and uh, and we were too young, I guess, which I still wonder about today. But anyhow, we're gonna have to fight. So what? Uh, find out. So again, the Christians had the drive-in shed, and it was made out of rough pine boards. And they weren't fitting all that well, but it kept the rain out and they had metal roofing, roofing so the the implements that they had in it, the plow, the harrows and what have you, they were kept dry. That was, you know, to stop rusting. And so we got the pin off the hinge after the lock. We got in, we called in over the machines and in the back. And we got to the back wall and looking under an angle. And yeah, we could see the bull and we could see the cow. And... Uh, that's all we wanted. We wanted to know why, what is the big deal? And uh, funny, <laughs> funny thing that we had two flies in one spot because it just, we learned something extra that we wouldn't have otherwise. But <laughs> as we got to the back wall, hey, oh, look at that, look at that. He always called me Bakker. Why? I don't know. That was my nickname. For Bakker? Bakker. Because my dad was a baker. I was not a baker. Oh. But, uh, well, at least not at that time. Uh, nobody knew what they were going to do. But that was my nickname. Hey, Bakker, look at that. And uh, so I look out and the bull is just standing there and turning his head and 
I want to get back in. They were like, why didn't you pull me out? You get one of the other ones. He was totally disinterested in that call. But Helm, who was always dealing with that problem, and he had a solution, and Helm went up there, went up to the cow, and rubbed his hand over the bull's ass, uh, uh, butt, and uh, then rubbed his hand over the bull's nose, and you should have seen that. <laughs> that bull, it, and in no time, and the, the whole game was over. And the farmer went home with, the bull, with his cow, the cow was happy, the farmer was happy, <laughs> and we were, we, we were happy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we saw a cow being bred, so we talked about that for a while. And uh, you think this, you, you know, the, the, the regular stuff. Mm -hmm. Kids. Kids, they always explore. We, and, and Will and I, we were no different. Uh, I just happened to remember a few of the episodes, and fortunately, I can pass it on to people who will never have the opportunity, because nowadays, the cow is deprived of the pleasure of the bull's personal attention, mm -hmm. and it is all artificial insemination. Mm -hmm. It's really cruelty to cows, uh, if you ask me. Uh, I wonder how people would like it if they were to apply that to people. But anyway, that is uh, what happened there. And then we got... Uh, uh, we, we got to... We got through the war, well, liberation. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's one thing that I remember people coming into the village on the bike. And uh, the Tommies are here, the, the British, uh, we were... Uh, they called them Tommies? Tommies, yeah. Okay. Uh, when I came here and uh, I said to Tommy, Who, what are you talking about, Tommy? No, the, the British, we were liberated by the British and uh, Father South was the Americans and the Canadians were in the north where the people were starving. Mm -hmm. You know, like Amsterdam, Rotterdam, The Hague, they were all starving to death more or less. And that was the Canadians that liberated them. The hardest part of the entire country was done by the Canadians. And uh, uh, so, but we were liberated by the Tommies. So somebody came, the Tommies are coming. That was the big thing. So a, a, a derogatory name for Germans were in Dutch, Moffe. And, uh, uh, yeah, Moff, Moff, I don't know. It is like a, a glove, that, like a leather glove that you put on the handlebar of your mm. bike. But uh, that was, uh, you don't call a Moff in, in their presence because they caught, out, caught on. But... Uh, uh, they, they, they come in and were yelling, the, uh, the Tommies are coming, and we go and look, we walk down the street because we didn't see anything, but they were ahead of the college, the, the, the whole, uh, 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 the tanks and everything yeah. that was coming in in the village, but there was a bend at the end of the road, about the click up. And uh, what the Germans had done along the road on both sides, they dug holes about uh, five feet deep, maybe, and uh, maybe three feet across. 
and at the critical moment when nothing else would save them anymore, the soldiers were ordered into those holes with their machine gun to shoot at the enemy. Mm -hmm. But the enemy, the, like the Tommies, they soon enough found out that they had better not walk up front like they did before when they first come in. Mm -hmm. Because here at the Bargas, they made hold by the side of the road and they killed some of these yeah. infantry walking in front of the tanks, trying to uh, weed out the neighborhood for the tank to roll in. And uh, so by the time they came close to where we lived, they didn't worry about that anymore. You didn't see any soldiers walking. All you saw is a whole row of tanks. I mean, a whole row. It was just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they went with one track, like one goes on this side and one goes on the other side, and they roll over top of those holes and they couldn't get out. They just buried them alive in those holes. They couldn't get out. They, mm -hmm. they dug them up later on and gave them a proper burial. But I mean, to, to get rid of the nuisance, because they were just a nuisance. What are you going to do with a machine gun against a tank? Mm. You know, that the, 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 the risk, the, the, that's nothing. So anyhow, that idea of digging those holes, that was a crazy idea. And it cost quite a few lives and it never solved. Well, they killed a few soldiers farther, uh, uh, farther back. Mm. Uh, uh, but that, uh, that is what, uh, 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 what we, we saw. As soon as we saw the tanks coming around mm. the bend, Course, we made tracks for going home because uh, uh, you don't know, they may shoot us. Uh, I know that uh, I was supposed to be the farmer that had that dog, that, that yeah. churning dog, yeah. that churning shepherd. shepherd yeah. <laughs> uh, um, they didn't have the kind of basement that would give much protection. And he didn't have a bomb shelter or anything because, uh, well, he probably never worried, but ah, it's not going to be that bad. And then my dad said, why? I was small, so uh, compared to my older brothers, uh, you go and uh, tell him that he can come into, because they were close by, yeah. uh, and uh, you tell him that they can come in our cellar because uh, uh, we're going to have some fireworks here. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the enemy is meeting right here. Mm. As I was walking down that dirt road, that little piece where, you know, there was still a dirt road coming in. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I walked down there on the great big trees on one side of the, the, the bicycle path, and they had the bicycle path, then you had the, the, the wagon tracks, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then a little bit farther down is where the farmer was. And I would have to go across the ditch. There was a, a little bit of a a bridge and the walking across and I go tell him. And as I walked down there and all of a sudden there was a big cornfield on one side and I hear bang, 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 bang. What the hell is that? And I saw the slippers flying off the tree and it was just above my head. And I was wearing dark blue coveralls. Mm -hmm. That was, you take your, your, your uh, school clothes off yeah. You don't have uh, any other clothes, you put your coveralls on mm. because you throw them in, you don't need to iron them, you don't yeah. need to worry about the thing. That was, and it was easy for us too. I liked wearing coveralls, but anyhow, uh, he, they started to shoot at me, probably thought that I 
might be a pilot because sometimes the pilots could kind of look like that. I didn't look like a pilot uh, from close up, but in the distance, when you're sitting in a cornfield, and especially under the circumstances, they shoot at anything that moves. So uh, I went up there and I told them they could come over and, well, maybe you had better stay here now because I hear the, the, the shooting and it's getting awful close. I said, no, I got to go home, but you can come and sit in our cell. And my dad told me that's why I had to go. And so anyway, I hunched down and uh, with bent knees, I, I went home again. I never got shot at again, but I made it home safe. But uh, yeah, they... That was right in between the Tommies and the Moffa. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we had a, a basement that, well, the, the, the house was built in 39, 39, 40, and the ceiling was uh, reinforced concrete. Uh, actually, the whole uh, cellar was uh, reinforced. And uh, funny thing about that cellar, one little side note. My dad had the contractor mix rye flour, not wheat flour or anything. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have any wheat to begin with, but we had rye flour because rye was locally grown. And uh, he, uh, he, he had to mix it in with the cement. And later on, well, as we were talking, we, there was during the war, and uh, yeah, and he heard once when he was a kid that if you mix rye flour in cement, the cement becomes dry. You uh, no, it will not leak. You never get a leaky uh, uh, basement or whatever. So uh, my dad firmly believed in that, and true or not, I don't know, but he had some rye flour that he paid for to, to get it mixed in with the cement. Uh, but when the liberation was there, they used to bring in the gas for the different vehicles they had, and they had these jerry cans, this mm -hmm. square, uh, I don't know the measurement of hand, but they, they were, the, the handle was actually buried right into the can. You could stack them and uh, they wouldn't fall over. And they bring the, the, the gas, like, uh, but the funny thing was, the gas was red. It was not the, the yellowish kind of gas like you get here at the gas pumps. And the reason for that was that if somebody had uh, some implement and they used red gas, they knew it was stolen. Because nobody, that was all army uh, 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 ordered. Yep. So... Uh, and uh, even a while after the war, they still had uh, that limitation. But then, of course, mm. there was no more. When the war was over, finally, uh, there was no more of that red gas to begin with. They put a dye in it. Uh, but those cans, they were left here, there, and everywhere. There was hundreds of them. And we used to tie them together and then have a couple of slats, like two on the top, two on the bottom, get some binder twine and tie them together and put them on the river behind the house. Like behind our house was pasture and then behind the pasture there was the river. And the river was feeding the water to the water mill, which was uh, a little ways 
away from the windmill, the same owner that owned both mills. But anyway, that that river, that waterway, uh, we put the floats on and uh, we made some kind of a paddle and we paddled up and down and we, uh, well, of course, it was wartime, so we had to have war. We get out the bow and arrow and uh, we start shooting and, uh, well, uh, he hit me in the head, so the next thing you know, you put a, uh, some kind of a metal uh, uh, pail over the head with a couple of holes in it so you can see, and you're firing another. And the arrows, they didn't hurt you, but uh, they sting. And, uh, you, you know, the, the, the one-upmanship. So, uh, I'm going to get you the hell with that. So, we started to put a little nail <laughs> into the top, and then you shoot, and they have these pails on, and then you can hear when you hit the enemy, and you boing, and then... But when the arrow st stuck in the pail, I really got him, but it was too high. The pail is here, like uh, six inches higher yeah. than the top of the head. And if you happen to shoot there, nobody got hurt. And fortunately, we never hit anybody in the eye we could have. But uh, yeah, we had our war, and war was normal because even the grown-ups were having war. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I had, we had all kinds of soldiers around our place, and they left a lot of cans there. So I made a float, and that was eight ton. It was eight. A ton is uh, uh, like a vat or a container. In Dutch, they call that a ton. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I had eight of those jerry cans tied together for a float. Then the guy just a little way down from us, he only had six. And there was no way he was going to do go below me. He had to be even. But he couldn't find any more jerry cans. So he was stuck with his six tonner. And I had eight tons, as we called it. And uh, what am I going to do? Now, he was a bit of a sneaky bugger uh, in several ways. And at night, or at night, in the evening, when it was dark, and we had the thing moored with a, with a rope to the fence on the side of the river mm -hmm. so that we could jump on in the morning, get the rope up and paddle down. What he had done, he had opened the valves on, on, on so as soon as I sat on the uh, on my float mm -hmm. and you hear clock 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 well, what the heck? And then it starts to list a little bit. You get out in a get off in a hurry because and then you see that the thing is open. Well two and two is four, so mm -hmm. there was uh, I didn't have to search who has done it. Hank had to do it because he was the type of guy that would uh, do sneaky things. He was never out in the open to collect the punishment for it if he got caught. So, uh, yeah, uh, that got settled somehow. But they were strong enough, those tanks, that by that one said, I got a bag of grain here and it has to be milled. He, he traded that with some farmer for bread, but you got to take it to the mill to get a ground if you want to make flour. Mm -hmm. But if you do that, then I give you so much of it for your own use. So we would get grain, and instead of putting it on the bike, 
and we had by then we didn't have air tires anymore. You couldn't get them, and so they had these solid tires, and that was a hard job getting a hundred pound bag of uh, metric pounds. That is, uh, a thousand uh, uh, five hundred grams per pound, and uh, it was an illegal thing to to use. But uh, we were used to the pounds before. But anyhow. I put the bag on that float and I paddled down to the water mill and carried it off and he, uh, the, the miller would put it in and I could get it back on the float and take it home again. And that was a lot shorter than going through the, over the road to, in, through the village. And that was one of my uh, triumphs. I had a float and I could, I actually did something useful. Uh, usually it wasn't useful what we did, but uh, uh, that item, yeah, that was uh, regular riverboat Albert. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, we never thought of any other means of uh, propelling. If I had thought of the, the riverboats, they like with the paddles on the side, yeah. uh, I would have probably tried to make one of them, but yeah. uh, and have it run by a dog, <laughs> yeah, a churning shepherd. I could have bought him, <laughs> yeah, the uh. So, but anyway, when, so when, we, the, when the yeah when the soldiers came in, I was just kind of curious how, what were the British like coming in? Like I know the Germans oh, were there, but but the Germans they were uh, they were fine until they started losing. I think is what you said yeah before. yeah. Well, they uh, and these they they kind of gave up on it, but they had no choice. Mm -hmm. uh, they had to risk a bullet in the front or in the back. They had a choice, mm -hmm. but it's not much of one because you're gonna die either way. Yeah. But, uh, and that's why they got to get them in the hole, thinking that maybe, yeah. just maybe, uh, it might make a difference. But, uh, no, they were, uh, they were well, sorry to have bothered you for four years, but uh, uh, they, they left as yeah. soon as they could, and only to get killed in the next village. Yeah. I don't think that any of them ever made it back across the border yeah. uh, alive. And uh, not judging by the size of graveyard that we have close by, mm -hmm. the German graveyard, special graveyard, they didn't want both on the same graveyard. But uh, then the British come in and they were friendly. We had, I still have pictures of the one tank that parked in our driveway mm -hmm. with the cannon going towards that river. And I would have never believed it if somebody had told me later yeah, mom and dad were actually posing with the British on that tank and my mom was standing in front of it and my dad was standing in front of it, smoking a big cigar mm -hmm. and he had his white apron on and, and in full attire coming out of the bakery. And there's this tank and you see the British soldiers with their, the, not with the helmet, with, the, with this cap on mm -hmm. that they kind of wear cockeyed on the head. And... Uh, I think, yeah, they were black and they had the leathery, black leather uh, edge on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and they were all over the tank. So uh, my sisters were on top of the tank sitting on the, on the turret. Uh, I sat next to the turret and uh, my kid brother Theo was, was on it. The whole family, the, mm -hmm. we were so totally excited about Ah, finally we got rid of the buggers. Yeah. And uh, big celebrations all the time. 
And I remember within um, a matter of days, I saw a truck coming by, uh, one of what the British call the lorry, and it had canvas over the top, and it had this uh, lid in the back, like a tailgate, it folded up, but then it was open to where the, the tarp was over top of the truck, mm -hmm. and you could look in, and of course you you have to see what's in the truck, so, and damn it, if they had loaves of bread, but not in, in uh in the in the in the pan, mm -hmm. they baked it on the floor like they were all round, and they were about well I would say eight or ten inches high, and where they had stuck together, you break them apart like buns. Yeah. You break them apart and you see that white spot where the white bread. It was white and it was whiter than snow. It was oh for years we never saw bread like that. That. So uh, when I had the first, the first bread, and it didn't have any chocolate sprinkles on it because we didn't have any chocolate sprinkles that was import. Chocolate didn't grow, cocoa didn't grow, and all. So consequently, if it wasn't locally grown, you didn't have it. But I remember the bread, and I've never seen bread as white as that was it. And I just started to salivate, thinking about, imagine you eat that, and then you put butter on it instead of grease. Oh, what a, what a feast. Yeah, the, the celebrations were all over the place. Now, there is a town, Boxmeer, about eight clicks away, eight kilometers from us. And uh, they actually had to, house by house, forced the Germans out, and they were living at the River Maas, uh, the Meuse, as they may call it here, mm -hmm. Maas. Uh, that's a big river with, with riverboats going up and down from Rotterdam. In fact, that was the river that carried the ore from the Rotterdam Harbor up to Germany, mm -hmm. to, the, to the German war machine. And... Uh, but Boxmeer was right at the, at the edge of that river. And they forced the Germans, they, they went across the river and on the other side, and there was no bridge in that particular area, so they got liberated and celebrating, and uh, Sunday come, and uh, there wasn't a soul in the church on Sunday. The service was for nothing, because we were liberated, so the hell with the church, that, the mentality must have been there. Yeah. Uh, because the Germans had a counteroffensive in the following week. Mm -hmm. They came back into Boxmeer, drove the, the Tommies out, and Sunday come, and the people, they were, they were just almost hanging out of the window. That is how full the church was. <laughs> the Sunday after, the British retook the town, and again, you would never hit a fly if you tried inside that church. And I don't know if the priest even bothered to come in. Uh, but that is how, how deeply ingrained religion was there, or conviction. Anyhow, yeah, that was the, the liberation. And if you went a little bit towards Nijmegen area, they had the bridge, and that was the biggest span, bridge span in Europe. It went from one side of the river to the other. 
uh, without having different spans and, and having uh, columns in the water. It just went in, in one, but it was specially engineered for that. Mm -hmm. uh, now, how long were the uh, British soldiers, soldiers, sorry, British soldiers in your town? Like, did they just kind of pass through or did they No, no, they, they, well, uh, uh, most of them went through, but they leave a certain number mm -hmm. behind uh, to kind of keep the place occupied in case there is a counteroffensive right. from another direction. Because yeah. you never know which way they come. But uh, uh, our village <laughs> wasn't worthwhile fighting for, <laughs> I guess. So, uh, and we knew that. <laughs> we knew that. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, we had a bunch staying at our place, and uh, I don't know how they call that in English. Uh, you, were kind of, they were, you were kind of boarding them. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we had a garage where we we didn't use it as a garage. We didn't have a car or a truck, mm -hmm. but uh, it was meant to be in case you're gonna have one. Yeah. And we had bread racks in there, and the racks would be filled with bread, and we could put the bike inside mm -hmm. and load up. The, they have a big basket, four feet by three feet by two or three feet high. Mm -hmm. And you load the bread in standing up and we go and deliver the bread. And But uh, we couldn't use that because the soldiers were using that area. So mm -hmm. the bread had to be stored in the bakery. It got kind of crowded, but it worked out okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, But anything to support the liberation, of course. Right. And uh, it was getting close to Christmas 1944. And uh, I learned, when you, as a kid, you, learn, you pick up a word here, you pick up a word there. And uh, at the time, at least, I thought that I spoke a fair amount of English. Uh, not that it was that coherent, but at least I used language that my mom and dad didn't understand. And uh, I got quite familiar with the guys. They started to understand our broken English or half Dutch. And uh, they were the friend, friendliest bunch, and uh, it was a chocolate bar. You want some gum? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we never got uh, big excessive amounts of it because we were boys. But uh, uh, nevertheless, we did get it, and uh, of course, we had to return it with the favor of doing whatever, getting hot water for them. We didn't have running hot water, mm -hmm. so uh, it had to be uh, boiled on the stove. And the stove was not with a button, it was with wood and coal yeah. and precast. But anyway, uh, so um, we bartered hot water for a chocolate bar. And they didn't have to go and ask my mom because she wouldn't have had the... the, the but they m made themselves understood by... Yeah, or, yeah. So uh, by motions and we, uh, and we knew. And by the time they actually left, we... We were doing okay, and it wasn't long after that when when I went to the seminary, for instance, I knew a fair amount of English that I never would have known. Uh, of course, I was more fluent in, in German, which we were forced to learn during the war, but to learn English too, uh, you know, like uh, three languages for a 12, 13-year-old kid uh, mm -hmm. is quite a mouthful. But anyhow, uh, yeah, we... Uh, but there was... Close to Christmas, and I in, in Holland they are very strict. Christmas time, you go to church, you eat, you go to church, 
you eat, go to bed. That, you know, but no nothing, no celebration except the spirit of Christmas in its, in, in its most conservative form. Mm. And uh, so no drinking or anything. But those soldiers, of course, they, they could drink. They could drink all they wanted because it's not easy to be a soldier in a yeah. war, and especially not on the front lines. So the uh, uh, come Christmas, Christmas Eve. Oh, it's a good thing they didn't. They 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 weren't ordered to march forward to the next village, because they would have had to bring him on on stretchers or in buggies <laughs> because they couldn't walk anymore, including the MP, the military police, yep. and he was a big forceful man and. Oh, his 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 face. Uh, if he didn't smile, you run because you would be scared. Mm -hmm. If he smiled, then you knew it couldn't be all that bad. And uh, somehow, see, he was a married man. He was Scottish. He was from Edinburgh. He told me, and he had a son that uh, was my age, and he had to leave him behind mm -hmm. to come and fight in that war. And he had this, my, uh, I think it was a Royal Enfield, but I'm not sure. He had a big motorbike anyway. And uh, he came to celebrate, have another drink as if he needed one, with the soldiers that were uh, quartered in our place. And, uh, but he had too much already. And all of a sudden, he couldn't hold it, and he vomited. And right under the side window of the living room, and right underneath, against the wall, and I what the hell? Somebody been puking. They've been drinking like crazy. But, uh, well, the local people were drinking too, if they get a chance. Mm -hmm. But on, 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 Christmas, on Christmas Day, you don't drink that. You have to puke. And I walk close right up on my spot covered up a little bit, there's all kinds of dirt and gravel, it was just a, a, a gravel walkway. And what the hell is that? There is a set of dentures. <laughs> and I picked them up, I got a piece of paper in the store, you know, the wrapping paper that comes in a roll. Yep. I ripped that off and I put the teeth in there, rolled them up because I didn't want to put them in my pocket because they were also filled up. And uh, I thought that one of the soldiers must have lost his teeth, been puking outside. At least he was civilized enough to do it outside instead of inside. Yeah. And the next thing I know, here is Arthur. Arthur Simpson was his name. The MP. That, that MP. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was talking kind of funny, and his teeth on the top were missing. And... He kind of favored me. I was allowed to go on the back of his bike mm -hmm. because I reminded him of his son and it made him weak, make him soft around yeah. the heart. So I was the lucky recipient of his benevolence. And uh, when I saw that his teeth were gone and he missed them, but he couldn't find them anywhere. <laughs> and I'm sure that he must have looked uh, in, in his puke, but uh, well, everything was there except his teeth. And I said, Arthur, your tooth, I, you know, your tooth, and 
oh, you should have seen his face light up. And of course he knew it was his puke, so up. And <laughs> it was, uh, I had a strong stomach, I always had. So I didn't puke, but it was enough for, for others to, to actually see that. Imagine that it hadn't been his set. <laughs> Uh, but no, they were his, and uh, uh, after that, I sit on the back of his bike, and he more or less forced me to go with him. Yeah. Uh, so it felt for him as he was driving his, yeah. his son around. Yeah. And uh, I was going to situations and occasions that nobody was allowed to go to, but I was his son, so pseudo-son, yeah. and so that was fine. And of course, as I sit in the back, and he has this strap about three inch wide going around his heavy coat, the coat, you couldn't get a water hose going, spraying through it, that is how thick it was. Mm -hmm. But on, on a bike like that, in the weather like we had around Christmas time, mm -hmm. you needed a coat like that. But anyhow, uh, I hang on to that and I'm looking around, you see, hey, <laughs> and I was part of the peacock because I was sitting on the back, not of just a motorbike, but on the helmet it says, like it was a big black helmet with white letters on it, MP. Mm -hmm. And uh, and especially that guy, you know, that guy, look, if he didn't smile, you want to run. Yeah. And I was sitting on the back of his bike, boy, am I going to get some reputation in school when we go back mm -hmm. to school? Yeah, that, uh, how kids think, you know, when you're small, and uh, it's meaningless right now, but uh, uh, I... I remember how elated I was to be uh, selected to to be his son. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, you were also his personal tooth fairy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess reverse tooth fairy. Yeah, but he you uh, brought teeth, not taken. Uh, yeah. But I, uh, when I lost a tooth in the morning, I would find a diamond on my yeah. pillow. Yeah. If providing I lost my tooth, I put it under the pillow, yeah. the tooth was gone, and I get the dime instead, and the tooth fairy would come in. Yeah. But uh, no, there was. Uh, he could have given me a buck for for the whole Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> but I. I uh, anyway, I think uh, we're getting close to the end here, so oh, it might be a good spot to kind of stop yeah, on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we are liberated, so at least I can go to bed now. Yeah and have a restful sleep because uh, funny that on Saturdays when we have the podcast, I, uh, on Saturday night I go to bed and I think that comes streaming back to me yeah. and I, oh, I should have said this, I could have used that. I didn't mm -hmm. uh, because you go more or less ad lib. Yeah. You, uh, as it enters the mind, and I got to write it on, I got to write it on, but you, well, how are you going to write it on when you lie in bed? Oh, I'll remember it tomorrow morning. Mm. But then during the night, it comes back as a dream, sometimes a nightmare, and uh, it never leaves. It, uh, uh, but that is part of life. You can't help that. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, uh, I'm at the point now that I'm ready to go to the seminary, mm -hmm. And Will is heading off to the trade school, and they were both very Christian because uh, we were not the type that you let go to just any school without mm. much control. Uh, they needed an, <laughs> an extra guy to keep an eye on us. Okay, well, we'll cover that off in a future episode. Okay. 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 okay, talk to everyone next week. Bye. Yeah.